You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 249. It is a gorgeous Friday morning here in the Philadelphia region. Uh, gonna get hot today, gonna get really hot over the weekend. I am Jimmy Kemsky. He is Brandon Galton. Say hello, Brandon. Hello, Brandon. <laughs> uh, and we have, uh, we have news. For this episode, the Eagles, of course, signed James Bradbury this week, and we are going to go through uh, both the Eagles and the Cowboys rosters, and we're going to determine position by position who has the edge at each spot. But first, before we do that, I have a hankering for some meat snacks, so where can I find those? Where can I find the best meat snacks on the planet, Brandon? As voted on by God. Uh, after oh, wow, yeah, he you know first he announced Christian. He's done Roach. a lot of voting. I know he's been, <laughs> he's been busy. First he announced Christian Roach, a Roach realtor, is the best realtor in the history of the universe, and then he announced mm. Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, the best meat snacks you can get. So in order to get those, you can go to RighteousFelon dot com and use discount code BGN fifteen for fifteen percent off. Jimmy, it's a big episode. It's not quite an emergency podcast. We're a little bit delayed on that front, but it is still a big podcast nonetheless. Yeah, it's a big signing. I mean, that we've sort of gone back and forth on what the Eagles might do at the second cornerback position opposite Darius Slay. We thought there was a possibility they could trade up for guys like um, Derek Stingley or uh, Sauce Gardner in the draft. Those guys went third and fourth overall. So that was evidently never really an option. Uh, I never really thought the Eagles were going to reach for a corner. Like, who's the guy that kept get, that kept getting mocked to that? Trent McDuffie, who ended Trent up McDuffie. going, like, what, in the 20s or whatever to the Chiefs? Yeah, I think the Chiefs traded up for him, actually. Um, and then, you know, there were some free agent options. But, they, they of course, and we've, we've gone through the, the laundry list of young players, young cornerbacks, uh, that they acquired all throughout uh, the 2021 offseason and regular season as well. And uh, we always kind of thought, I think, that they'd eventually sign a veteran uh, on a one-year deal. And they found, I mean, a golden opportunity in James Bradbury when the Giants were unable to trade him. And they took a pretty big cap hit to just let him go. It was over $11 million uh, in dead money that they're going to, that they're going to have on their books this year just to cut James Bradbury. And he is, in my opinion, much, much better than any of the available veterans that are on the open market right now. And it was one of these signings where it's like, okay, this guy got cut. This makes a lot of sense. 
and they got it done. So, you know, uh, it, it seemed to, to you and I and to a lot of the Eagles fans like this was an obvious move to make and they made it. So, you know, uh, kudos to Howie and the Eagles for for getting that done with Bradbury. I was surprised they pulled it off. I thought there was going to be a team out there that was going to outbid them. Because mm-hmm. uh, I guess I put stock into the Eagles believing in their own guys a little bit or at least wanting to see what they mm-hmm. could get out of the younger guys in some off-season practices. And then if they really hated what they were seeing, maybe sign Xavier Rhodes or Trey Waynes, who obviously both yeah. have experience with Jonathan Gannon. But And I don't think that, you know, like that was totally untrue. Like, I think that probably might have been their plan, but they realized James Bradbury was just, you know, a much better alternative than that. And, you know, I think with this signing, the pros outweigh the cons. But, I, you know, if you're making a list of both, like, I think there are some cons. And you could say that, you know, this is a guy on a one-year deal who might not be here next year, and you might be hindering long-term progress of finding, like, if Zach McPherson can be a starter for you for years to come. That's not the end of the world, though, because you're getting a player who makes you obviously better this year, and there's value in that. And if James Bradbury plays well enough, you might be able to keep him and resign him, and he could be you know, here for another two, three years uh, at his age, maybe even longer. And also, if he walks, maybe you help helps you get you know a compensatory pick in the future. So I definitely think the pros outweigh the cons, to be clear. I'm just saying, like, I don't think it's like, there's literally no downside at all. I think there's a little bit, a tiny bit. Um, you know, there's a reason why the Giants let him go. And I think most of that was because they were in a really bad spot with the cap due to a lot of Dave Gettleman mistakes. Um, mm-hmm. He's coming off of somewhat of like a down year, at least like relative to him. He allowed a 93.0 passer rating when targeted, which is actually the highest uh, passer rating he's allowed in the past four years. Mm -hmm. And he missed 21.7 of his tackle attempts per pro football reference. Like that's a, that's a high rate. Like that's not it very good. Um, I, you know, I think you can give him weird too, because he's like a physical player too. Sure. Um, And I think you can give him a little bit, you know, of a mulligan because the Giants defense crossed the board and the team was just, you know, not good last year. So, you know, maybe some of that is just, you know, being on a bad team. Um, So my my point here is I don't think the Eagles got like an all pro player. I know he was a pro bowler in 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't I don't know that he's a pro bowler again this year, but he's a good starting cornerback. So it's obviously it makes the team better this season. I think he pairs nicely with Slay, too, because Slay's going to. So if they want to have their corners follow specific receivers uh, in in whatever in, you know, in, in certain matchups, they can do that because Slay will follow the speedier guys or the savvy route running type guys, whereas uh, Bradbury is going to handle the bigger receivers. He's big himself. He's 6'1", 212. Um, so I think he kind of gives them an element um, at the other cornerback spot where he can handle those those bigger players. Like he's significantly bigger than Steven Nelson, mm-hmm. uh, on, you know, on the other side there. So um, on the on your Zach McPherson point, I do think he'll probably play more this year than he did last year. Last year they had that crazy injury luck at the cornerback mm-hmm. position. Like we've seen them, we've seen their cornerbacks drop like flies in previous seasons. Um, last year, you know, the week. 18 game aside, Avante Maddox, Darius Slay, and Stephen Nelson started every game. Um, there were a couple of few, you know, a few rare occasions where Slay or Nelson had to leave a game early or something like that, but they started every game. So uh, we didn't really get to see McPherson play much. And to be determined who will even be that next guy up, whether it's McPherson or Tay Allen or Carrie Vincent and whoever, whoever mm-hmm. it may be, 
but whoever that is, I, I imagine that player is going to get um, you know more playing time than whoever their fourth cornerback was a season ago. It was actually probably McPherson uh, a season ago. So uh, I do think there is playing time for for those guys, and I do think that um, you know whoever that player or players may be. They'll have a chance to kind of grow as players this season. I don't think it's necessarily a case where, you know, you're not going to get to see them play at all and they're not going to be able to, to grow mm-hmm. uh, this season just because they signed Bradbury. Uh, but I'm with you. Certainly the, the pros outweighs, outweigh the cons. The contract is $7.5 million. It was originally reported as $10 million, but it's seven point five. I think it's $7.25 guaranteed yeah. with uh, upside of Ten million. So the original ten million report is coming from the agent trying to pump up uh, the deal that he got for his client, but it's really more like seven point five. Warren Sharp uh, made the point on Twitter that the Giants have more uh, dead money on their cap for Bradbury than the Eagles are paying him uh, this season. So that's kind of just a you know a funny aside. Um, do the Eagles suddenly have like a pretty good cornerback group? Like, is this trio among? The best in, uh, do I go as far as to say the NFL? I think it's pretty good group. Slay, Bradbury, Maddox, and then you have all these young guys behind him with a chance to progress. Who's better? You know, who are like the top cornerback tandems in the NFL? It's not really super easy to come up with them, right? I mean, obviously you yeah. can go to some of like the like Jalen Ramsey and whoever starts across from him is obviously automatically <laughs> right. kind of at the top. Yes. Uh, I think it's Darius Williams there still maybe on the Rams. I'm not keeping up super closely with the Rams, but they're there. Um, I guess you could say Jari Alexander potentially and Rizal Douglas or, and um, uh, what's the other guy Stokes, Eric Stokes, I believe. Yeah. Second round pick last year. Yeah. So that's probably up there too for the Packers. Um, but yeah, the Eagles are right there. I mean, Avante Maddox is coming off one of the, Probably better seasons for a nickel quarterback last year. Obviously, Slade's coming off a Pro Bowl season. And then Bradbury, not a Pro Bowl year last year, but two years ago. And, you know, again, I don't think he's necessarily an all-pro or even maybe even a Pro Bowl defender this year. But he's a good starter, for sure. Um, So, yeah, it's a good group. Now, obviously, still a big hole at safety (laughs) behind those guys. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Question marks there. But as I like to say all the time, I mean, there's no perfect roster in the NFL. There's always even the best team mm-hmm. is going to have a hole that's or a question mark kind of at some position there. Um, but on the whole, uh, being able to fill that roster hole at cornerback two, which seems Bradbury's pretty good work by the Eagles and kind of really kind of makes you think about the bigger picture here and how Harry Roseman for all of the blame that he gets um and a lot of it deserved especially in the past he's done a really good job this offseason it makes me want to write an article jimmy that eagle fans should not take it easier on howie roseman because he seems to do his best work when he is doubted and by contrast seems to do some of his worst work when he's kind of been like on top and uh he, he he does well when he's humbled, not so well when he kind of feeds into his own hubris. <laughs> so I almost think Eagles fans should continue to be hard on him. So it motivates him to like prove everyone wrong. But I guess that's a different topic for another day. Um, he's a better builder than, a, than he is a sustainer right. is probably the uh, kinder way to put it. <laughs> for sure. So, But it's exciting. It's an, It's been an exciting offseason for the Eagles. Yeah. They're obviously much better on paper. Um, I think the, the moves this team has made has kind of – set it up so that there's no excuses or less excuses for key people in the organization, such as Dick Sirianni, but more so to me, Jalen Hurts and Jonathan Gannon. Like 
there's the weapons are there for Jalen Hurts to take a step forward to have this team in a position to be winning playoff games, at least one playoff game, especially in a weekend NFC. And then defensively, like with this signing specifically, adding Bradbury to the mix. Again, I know the Eagles have some question marks at safety, but elsewhere on the roster, I mean, you add N'Kobe Dean, you add Kaiser White, you add Jordan mm-hmm. Davis, you add Hassan Reddick, you add Bradbury. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you, we, you and I both, I, I believe, have said that last year the defense underperformed their talent level. Um, mm-hmm. Really no good reason for that to happen again, especially with these pieces they've added. Yeah, all three levels of the defense, they improved. And they have good depth. At every, I mean, safety aside, they have good depth at every spot. Like defensive tackle, especially, it's, they're just so loaded there. I mean, we can quibble about the contract that Fletcher Cox got at $14 million, But the, the bottom line is when you look at the season, you have Cox and Hargrave and Milton Williams and, and Jordan Davis. And then, you know, even on the edge, um, Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat is fine. They they could use better depth there. I'm not a believer in Derek Barnett, but Hassan Reddick gives them, um, you know, a chance to give them a better edge rush than they had uh, a season ago. And then even at linebacker, you mentioned Nicobe Dean and Kaiser White; those two additions. If those guys, if those two guys start, you know, your your top backup is T.J. Edwards, mm-hmm. who was very clearly your best linebacker a season ago. And I don't, and I think it was a pretty big gap between him and the next guy. So they have good depth there. And then we mentioned the depth already at cornerback with McPherson and all these other guys that, you know, young, seemingly, you know, talented uh, guys that just sort of need um, time to play and, and, and time to, to get better. Um, if if they can, if, you know, any of those guys show anything in training camp, then they, they might really have something. And then you have Jesse Bates that's out there right mm. now with the Bengals, who is, Unhappy that he got franchise tagged. His tag number is a little bit under thirteen million. Uh, he had—I mean, there's all kinds of reports out there that he has no intention of playing on the franchise tag this year. We'll see if that's an empty threat uh, or not. But seemingly, he's available for trade. You'd think, and if Howie could pull that one off somehow without giving up one of those two first-round picks in 2023, that you know, we all perceive to be earmarked for a quarterback if Jalen Hurts doesn't make substantial improvements this season. I mean, you got to look at them as, do we start talking about them as like Super Bowl contenders? Because they pretty much have no holes and they'd have different difference makers really littered throughout the offense, both on, littered throughout the roster rather, uh, both on offense and defense. I mean, the biggest question mark at quarterback is still a very, you know, important <laughs> yes. thing to figure out. And not to say that Jalen Hurts can't get there, but it's uncertain because have we seen Jalen Hurts consistently be able to beat good teams? No, we we haven't. And again, that doesn't mean he can't do it, but the evidence isn't there. And that was a big bugaboo for the Eagles last year. And that very much remains to be seen. And I think, you know, and, and we don't even necessarily know if we're going to get a great answer to that question this coming year because their schedule is so easy for the most part. Other than like you know the Packers game or whatever, um, but really kind of comes down to the playoffs as it relates to Jesse Bates. Jimmy, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer if you can get that guy right. This is a guy who only turned twenty-five years old in February, so kind of like the AJ Brown situation. Um, yeah, like you're getting a player who still isn't even necessarily in all of their prime years. So like 
trading right. for that guy and then signing him to a contract extension seems like a no-brainer. And and as to why he would be available, I mean, the Bengals are notoriously cheap. So, like, that's part of yes. why, um, like, you would be able to get him. He's only missed one game or, or two games. I think one of them, though, was this season, and he missed it due to, um, like, the Bengals resting their starters at the end of the season. He has 10 mm-hmm. interceptions. He had three interceptions in each of his first three years. Only had one last year. What a bum. Uh, 35 <laughs> passes defensed. Crazy. Uh, two forced fumbles. Yeah, first safety. That's 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 excellent. Yes. and uh, He was a stud in the playoffs, too. He had two picks. Sure in the four games in the playoffs and six pass uh pass breakups in in the in those four games in the playoffs too. Believe he was an all pro. One in the or... Super Bowl I think too actually in in the end zone. He was an all pro second team all pro in he was second team all pro I I believe in 2020. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. If you can add him to the mix that would be awesome. A guy who can make plays. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's impossible. I don't know how likely it is based on, you know, if the Bengals actually really do want to keep him or not. You know, I guess they have some leverage here. Um, but yeah, I mean, why not, right? At this point, if you're loading up anyway and and you're putting yourself in a position where you're really seeing if the coaching and the quarterback can you know, be the different kind of putting them in the position to give them every reason to succeed and leave no excuses. Mm-hmm. It can't be like, well, the talent around them wasn't good enough. No, because it is. And that's there. Um, so it's really on the coaches and the quarterback at this point to to make the most of it. Yeah. I mean, the point that you make uh, that's the most relevant, I think, is if you trade for a guy like him, it's not you're not just going all in on the 2021 season for on the excuse me 2022 season on a move like that. You're adding a guy that you're going to have for the foreseeable future because any trade it's going to be accompanied by some sort of contract extension. Obviously, the Eagles got a contract extension agreed to with AJ Brown before they made that trade. So if you're going to trade for a guy like Bates, you're going to get something done ahead of time. I think Marcus Williams is probably the best mm-hmm. uh, comp to him in terms of contract there were similar type players he got 15 million per year or 14 million i believe yeah i think it was five years 70 million so i assume bates would probably beat that um maybe 15 million 16 if you really have to and wasn't there talk Um, that the eagles like offered maybe even more than the ravens did for oh did they okay i think there was some talk about that or at least similar this is very competitive and he just wanted to play in baltimore instead yeah. So, they, I mean, they have tried to address the safety position this year because they went after him. They had interest in, in Justin Reed, mm-hmm. but they missed out on him because the Chiefs signed him while the Eagles were still in on Marcus Williams. Right. So um, he came off the board before that got settled. And then, of course, they had some level of interest in Tyron Matthew, who signed with the Saints. I thought he got overpaid, frankly, at like $10 million per year. Um and uh, who else did they have? Oh, there was the report that they were talking with the Ravens for Chuck Clark. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that was Adam Kaplan said. I I didn't I didn't hear that, but I saw somebody tweet that he that he said. I guess that was probably on their podcast. Um, but there was like so talk it, that the Eagles didn't actually want him. I mean, like the Ravens oh, may okay. have. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I didn't fully understand the scope of that report when I was reading it. It didn't totally line up to me. And who's okay. interested in Jalen Rager? Come on. No one's interested in Jalen Rager. <laughs> um, well, anyway, the Eagles, uh, they have shown that they're at least, uh, they, they do have interest in adding a safety. They can talk all they want about, oh, we like Marcus Epps. We like Anthony Harris. But the bottom line is they tried to go out and sign safety. So um, they are not sold on what they have there. 
uh, completely, and they could make a move. So, I mean, what's as far as like what's next? I think the clear positions are safety, mm-hmm. and then that's like that's the big one, and then there's a big drop off thereafter. You have Ponner that they 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 have to give some sort of competition to Aaron Sipos at some it's point. It's crazy think. that they haven't. Like I know that right? it's Punter, like and it's not the end of the world, the, the most important position, but. I mean, this dude stunk in December last yeah. year, as soon as it got cold, like really bad. <laughs> so I have a couple theories on on that, why they haven't done that, why they haven't gotten that done yet. I mean, they ha- you have four teams, four or five? Is it four teams that drafted punters or five? Something like that. Whatever, doesn't matter. Um, those teams are going to cut their veteran punter at some eventually because you don't draft a punter and then that guy doesn't, you know, that guy not make the team. Mm-hmm. So he goes maybe just waiting for a veteran punter to shake free. You also have the USFL. Uh, you have guys punting in that league. Maybe one of those guys comes in for, for, you know, competition for sip offs, but you, you got to imagine they're going to add a punter at some point. And then the third position I think is running back. Cause you still need sort of that big between the tackles banger that they've added seemingly every year. They added Kennedy Brooks as an undrafted free agent, he sort of fits that mold, but you don't really know what you have in guys like that until you see them in training camp. Um, so I do think that they could add a, a big back at some point, but those three spots aside, safety, punter, running back, it's probably it. Probably the only three positions where they might add someone between, you know, now and the start of the season, barring injury. On uh, Sipas, uh also not like a young guy. It's not just like, you know, oh, he, it was his first year last year, but he's 29 mm-hmm. already. So, like, not exactly like, yeah, know, yeah, young, yeah. Which, whatever. It's not the, but it's just, my point is, it's not like, okay, he's this really young guy and he's getting better. Like, no, like, he, he kind of probably, he might be what he is. He averaged 37 yards on his final 12 punts last year. 37 Ooh. yards. That is terrible. That's really bad. Yeah, uh, that's bad. That's a bad net. For forget just regular punting average. That's a bad net. And just aesthetically, like some of those punts in those final games, were to- <laughs> there's total shanks and like really bad. Yes. And even if the Eagles did like somehow find a way to come back against the Bucks, like, like that would have been a bigger deal. The fact that their punter like didn't didn't give them a chance to, uh, so that was really bad. And then on the running back point, um, Matt Waldman, who I'm sure you're familiar with, Jimmy, a lot mm-hmm. of listeners should know. Does a good job. Yeah, yeah. really good really tape grinder guy. He loves Kennedy Brooks. And he was talking okay. about that here on BGN Radio with Rachel and Mark Schofield. So if you missed that show, uh, go back and listen to that. I actually want to transcribe some of that for an article on BGN. with football guys? What? Football guys? Is that where he came from, Matt Waldman? I don't know. Football outsiders, maybe? He has his own thing now, obviously. Matt okay. Waldman, uh, RSP. But yeah, so he's a big Kennedy Brooks guy. Thinks he can kind of fill, I think, that Jordan Howard mold, be, be that guy for the Eagles. So will be interesting to watch. But yeah, to your point, um, definitely not really, not a lot of huge holes. Obviously, there's positions that you know might not be as good as we think. Like maybe N'Kobe mm-hmm. Dean fell for a reason, and maybe the right. Eagles end up cutting Kaiser White at some point because they do with every free agent linebacker they sign. <laughs> right. So, you know, things always look better on paper than they appear. Maybe Bradbury, you know, turns out he was cut for a reason other than just the money and, like, doesn't look as great as we expect. You know, there's always – there's on paper and there's in reality. And at this time of year, everything always looks better on paper. There isn't – again, as we said with, like, the win projections in the schedule episode last week, even the worst team in the NFL, like the Jags or whoever – or I was I saw a tweet about the Bears last week that was like, 
you know, Justin Fields is going to be like amazing this year or whatever. Like there's every team, every fan base is going to talk themselves into their team and that's fine. I don't begrudge anyone for doing that. But um, my point being, everything always looks better on paper uh, than it does in reality. So, uh, but it's a time to be excited for Eagles fans. So I, I, again, I don't blame anyone for getting hyped about this year's team. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and I think we're going to meet Bradbury today. That's just kind of reminding me like the, so there are a couple, a few Giants reporters, uh, that I that I've talked to, like they said, Bradbury's like a really good guy. <laughs> and did you get that text? Are we are we supposed to meet him today? Uh, I thought it was Tuesday. It's it's yeah. I think it's early oh, it's next Tuesday? week. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's right. You're right. Tuesday. You're right. You're right. We'll see though. Yeah. All right. Um. Well, let's take a break here, and when we come back on the other side, we will begin to take a position by position look: Eagles versus Cowboys. Before we go to break, Jimmy, but first, I will tell you <laughs> about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Look, there's no comparison to Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. We can't even compare because they are the best meat snacks you could possibly get. I always say the website is free. It doesn't cost you anything except a couple minutes of your time. Check it out, RighteousFelon.com. Big selection of meat snacks, non-meat snacks, gear, Everything, anything you possibly need in your life, com. Use discount code BGN, as in Bleeding Green Nation, BGN15 for 15% off your order. Help support the podcast, help support a local business, help support yourself. Wins all around, so why not check it out? Give it a try. Actually, saw Dan Klausner, Jimmy, last week, ran into him. Um, mm-hmm. and he brought some righteous felon samples as if I haven't already tried it. I have tried it all, but some extra, some goodies for me to snack on had the, I, I'm a big fan of the built tong that they have. That's not like the okay. traditional jerky. It's just like the smaller pieces. It's a little the softer bit, ones, yeah, right? a little bit more tender. Yeah. Um, the Darth garlic is a, is a great flavor. It might be my favorite, honestly, from the bunch. I think the, the built tong is great. Also tried the Fal Capone turkey jerky. For the first time, that was also very good. The seasoning on that is really good. So can't go wrong. All the flavors are good. Right to selling.com. Discount code BGN15 to get yours today. Back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom 
help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy. It's time to compare the Philadelphia Eagles, the Philadelphia Football Eagles, if you will, to the Dallas Cowboys, the reigning NFC East champions. But as we know, Jimmy, I don't think many people ever talk about this, but there hasn't been a repeat winner in the NFC East <laughs> since 2004, which is crazy because that's like yeah. almost 20 years now. Yeah. Yeah, and you look at any other division in the league and there's um, – you see repeat teams winning the division over and over All the and over time. Again. Like it's, it's, it's very, very common. Like so this is a, a – a weird anomaly that there hasn't been a repeat champion in the NFC East in such a long time. And probably a good reason for that is be, they've actually had three Super Bowl winners too. And that's been yeah, that the is, Giants that makes twice, sense. <laughs> right? The Giants twice. And of course the Eagles. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a very weird thing. And I think it sort of points to, to the idea that there really haven't been I mean, just the one, just the one year aside with the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles were really dominant that year. Mm-hmm. The Giants weren't dominant no. during the regular season in either of their Super Bowl years. They just kind of went on runs. People wanted to fire Tom Coughlin, and I felt like in each of their <laughs> runs leading up to the Super Bowl. Yes. So, uh, I mean, that's part of the reason why there just hasn't been sustained success in the division. Uh, the Eagles had a lot of injuries, I guess, in 2018, the year after they won the Super Bowl. And, you know, Carson Wentz was, of course, coming off the uh, ACL tear, the, you know, his torn up knee or whatever. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's it's a weird thing, but... Uh, if that holds true, uh, checks notes, Cowboys won the division last year. So there's a decent enough chance that it'll be someone else this year. And that someone else could very well be the Philadelphia football Eagles, as you put it. So let's start with quarterback, um, Jalen Hurts versus Dak Prescott. This is a no brainer. Dak Prescott is clearly a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts at their respective stages of their careers. Prescott has pretty much been like a borderline top 10 to 12 type of quarterback for the entirety of his career. Like even as a rookie, he was awesome for a rookie. I mean, when he won, he won rookie of the year, right? Yeah, but Over he shouldn't Zeke. have. Zeke was better. Yeah. Um, he's sort of been that guy for the bulk of his career. And you look at the Cowboys roster, not roster, schedule this year, and he's going to be better than most of the quarterbacks that they face this year. Easily. Um, but he has also sort of failed to make that leap into the next tier. And now after that gruesome injury that he suffered in 
2020. He hasn't been the running threat that he's that he was earlier in his career. We'll see if that changes as he's another year removed from that bad injury. But he was not like teams did not fear his ability to run. So Hertz certainly has him in that aspect. Um, and they're both considered, you know, really good leaders. Um, players are teammates like uh, Dak Prescott, teammates like Jalen Hurts. But what sets them apart is that Dak Prescott is a good passer. Not great, but he's good relative to other starters in the NFL, whereas Jalen Hurts has at times not even looked functional as a passer. The Eagles, I'll, I'll put it this way. The Eagles passing offense hasn't looked functional at times, uh, most notably in the playoffs against the Buccaneers last year. Um, and then some other games down the stretch, like the Giants seem to seem to sort of have uh, his number and the Eagles number um, on, on offense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a pretty decent gap, even though Dak is, you know, like, like I said, sort of a borderline top 10 to 12 type of quarterback. I do think there is a pretty big gap uh, between he and Hurts and the rest of the division, for that matter. In addition to the ankle injury, he was obviously dealing with some shoulder stuff mm-hmm. first in 2019 at the end of the year there. And some of that seemed to pop back up like last off season. Remember mm-hmm. in training camp and stuff. And yeah, they were on hard knocks and like he be, that he wasn't able to play. Did you watch hard knocks last year? Some of it. Yeah. Not all of it. And then they had the in season <laughs> Colts <laughs> hard knocks, which is actually very disappointing much. If, I don't know if you watch that or not, but, no. um, but yeah, through all throughout hard knocks, that was one of the biggest storylines of that season was he's just unable to play. And seemed to kind of, come up again last year or he didn't look totally right that was my thing with mm-hmm. rj going into the year and i kept saying like it's not that i think he's going to miss like a ton of games or something but i mean he did miss some games in the middle of the season i just don't think that's fully right and maybe who knows a uh, full off season this year will get him right and maybe he'll be full go in training camp and be fine but i don't know it just seems like something worth monitoring a quarterback's throwing shoulder is like definitely like a red flag yeah. he's had issues with that and uh, something that might flare up over the course of the season. And he hasn't produced in the playoffs. Exactly. He's one playoff win, and it was mm-hmm. against the Seahawks. And I like to say that the Seahawks were not trying to win that game actively, <laughs> just based right. on their actions, because Russell yeah. Wilson barely was allowed to like throw the ball in that game. That was so infuriating. The Cowboys were – or sorry, the, the Seahawks were like running into a wall on first down and second down repeatedly and then be like third and 12 or third and 14 and Russ would like have a great pass it's like maybe you should do this more um so that was like Dak's one playoff win um so yeah yeah that's a game that gets pointed to in like the quote-unquote let Russ cook yes uh stuff so um yeah I mean Dak is clearly better uh at least you have to give him the benefit of the doubt right now especially as a passer John Hurts is much more uh, dynamic mobile threat, I would say, especially mm-hmm. post ankle injury for Dak Prescott. Uh, kind of an underrated thing. Wasn't really doing that a whole lot last year and didn't look great doing that, um, which is tough for him because that's kind of been a big game mm-hmm. or a big part of his game in the past, especially when he's been at his best. So, um, and also, I think Dak is kind of on the higher end of this category and Jalen Hurts is in a similar category, but Dak to me is a win with player. He's not a win yeah, because agreed. of player. He's on, on the higher agreed. end of that. But with the, him not being on his rookie contract anymore and the Cowboys not having, you know, Amari Cooper, who, again, that's a, that's a big loss for them in terms of, oh yeah, like, Dak specifically having a really good connection with Amari. That was the case in the past, and, you, and he's not there anymore. And they still have talent with Gallup and CeeDee Lamb. 
Um, but also losing Cedric Wilson as well. Like that's yeah, that's, that's a significant loss. And his offensive line arguably got worse because you lost Connor Williams, who was not a Pro Bowl starter for them by any means, but was a like a, a at least an, an at least an average starting guard. And there's no guarantee that Tyler Smith is going to be that player in year one. So so it's not even just about Dak, but his supporting cast as well. Which like he's which he's dependent on. Like that got worse. Uh, Eagles have a better backup. Gardner Minshew is better oh, than. Yeah. Whoever the Cowboys back is up Cooper is. I think Rush still, I think. Cooper Rush. Yeah. So, uh, or Garrett Gilbert, yeah. either way. Uh, Garrett Gilbert. Is no. he on the team? He's anymore? back from the Patriots, with, actually. Okay. And he was with Washington. He, was, he started against the Eagles he did last year. Pretty decent Washington. for having to, like. <laughs> he, was, he actually was okay, yeah. Because he got signed on, like, that Friday, <laughs> and then he played on Tuesday. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So, running back. Um, okay. So, we'll give a Cowboys clear edge, a quarterback. Running back, mm-hmm. you have. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott and um, Tony Pollard, and then a bunch of guys thereafter. So they're really too deep at running back, but I think they're too deep running backs. So you take over, you know, the Eagles, I would say, are three deep right now with Miles Sanders, um, Kenny Gainwell, who was almost used, I don't want to say more as a slot receiver, but I think Nick Sirianni wants to sort of use him that way a lot in uh in 2022 they they he really tested that out in 2022 2021 quite a bit maybe that's for another day um but Kenny Gainwell and then Boston Scott is back of course we mentioned um oh man his name is already escaping me the the undrafted guy they signed yeah you got it Kennedy Brooks um yeah but you won't you wouldn't include him here so like Miles Sanders Boston Scott Kenny Gainwell versus Ezekiel Elliott Tony Pollard I think the Cowboys have the clear advantage there um, Zeke, there's some people that say isn't even the best running back on his own team. Mm. And Pollard has certainly been more productive in the opportunities that he has gotten, but he only has 399 career touches offensively, um, over three, over a three year career, which is like one year for Zeke, at least earlier in his career when the Cowboys were running him into the ground. So I don't know, hard to make, uh, a lot of uh it means waving to someone uh, off screen or, yeah. <laughs> uh Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors made me a smoothie nice. and she came out I have my windows open in my office and she came around and like looked in the window like do you want the smoothie and I'm like later later I'll be later uh <laughs> I like the, anyway. the visual of that as like someone watching your house as your neighbors. It's like someone's like handing a smoothie through your window. Right. It's like, what is when going I on came now? outside to, <laughs> yeah. to hand it through the window. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear that, that, you know, if you're an Eagles fan, would you not take Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard over what the Eagles currently have? I think Miles Sanders gets a little overrated by Eagles fans and – because you look at his stats and like they're pretty good efficiency. Yeah, but five point whatever yards per rush. Yeah, but it totally doesn't match like the eye test, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, there are concerns with his other parts with the other parts of his game. He he struggled as a receiver. He's had he had a ton of drops in twenty twenty. Uh, I haven't done the Eagles drops in twenty twenty one yet. Um, his pass protection has been hit and miss. He fumbled. He fumbled a lot in twenty twenty. So there have been those, and and as far as being as, just as a runner, he's explosive, and he has a lot of big gainers, or at least he did in 2020. I think that was down in 2021. But he often doesn't get the yards that are blocked up for him. Like when Jordan Howard had to start in place of him, and basically just he allowed the the star of the offense, which is the offensive line, to you know create you know running lanes and just take what's there. 
the offense seemed to flow a lot better yeah. and they, 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 they were on quote unquote on schedule. That's the, that's the key with, phrase. With, yep. With early down runs and it kept Jalen hurts and the Eagles offense on the field it made life easier on Jalen hurts yeah. with that type of runner, right. uh, as opposed to miles Sanders, who, you know, might break off a 20 yard run, but then, you know, on the next first down, he takes a minus two when there were four yards to be had. <laughs> so, uh, like, he's frustrating is, is the way I would put it. There's talent, and he's explosive, yes. but he's inconsistent. He's frustrating at times. And the other aspect of, of his game, of, like, he looked great as a rookie, as a receiver, and then for whatever reason, that just kind of sort of went away. Yeah, and I think there's been more evidence of him not being, you know, a, a positive uh, player as a pass catcher going back to Penn State. Like the, mm-hmm. the one year has basically been the anomaly to this point in terms of actual receiving production. And last year, even in training camp, he kept dropping the ball all the time. So like yeah. it just it hasn't been there consistently enough, especially to sign him to a long term deal. And that's a conversation ultimately for after this offseason that we see he yeah. does this year. I would be okay with kind of tagging him because that number is relatively lower. Like if you need to tag him for one more year and you want to get that one more year out of him, but probably move on mm-hmm. after that. I don't, I'm not signing him to a long-term deal unless it's, you know, very team friendly at this point. Um, yeah, but a, definitely a guy who can bring home run elements to the game, but there's also the fumbles. And even though he didn't have, I think he did what, like one or two last year, there were some near fumbles that like were almost <laughs> like very costly. Yeah, like he got the benefit of the of the whistle. Right. Which like is his like he was barely down or something. Yeah, yeah. it's like a little but, but he but he actually did fumble the ball. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, the ball left his possession. Um <laughs> yes. it was very close, so that's not great. Um I don't hate Miles Sanders by any means, but I just think he gets like a little bit overrated. And also the idea that he was a pro bowler and whatever it was in twenty twenty always gets me because he wasn't it was like the fan vote thing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on. Yeah, so, we're, so we'll take yeah. the Cowboys there at running back. So Cowboys Cowboys quarterback, Cowboys running back. And now here's where the tide starts to shift. So wide receiver. Eagles. I think, you, I mean, clearly Eagles overall. I think whoever you want to have as your number one for the Eagles, whether that's A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith, there's an argument that CeeDee Lamb is better than either of those two guys. I think it's super close. Um I would like if if you if you gave me a menu of Ceedee Lamb, Devontae Smith, and AJ Brown, who am I taking? I'll I'll have the Ceedee Lamb, please. Well done. <laughs> I pro- I probably would take the Ceedee Lamb, but I mean it would be a really hard decision. Um, I don't think it is. I, I think it's AJ okay, Brown. Who would you take? I think it's clearly AJ Brown. I think you look at I like Ceedee Lamb a lot, but like he okay. was low key disappointing last year. And Cowboys fan, RJ RJ mm-hmm. Ochoa, a Cowboys fan, will tell you that. And that's not to say he's a bad player, but I think A.J. Brown has been like consistently really good. I don't think he's been disappointing at all. The only reason, again, his volume numbers haven't been bigger is he's playing in this run-heavy offense. If you look at his efficiency numbers, he's been an elite wide receiver. I think it's clearly He missed four games, too, last year. By the way, there were one and three in games that he missed. And there were 11 and there were 11 and two in games he played. And they scored, I think, 26.8 points per game. And then in the four games he missed... They were one and three, and they scored like seventeen points per game. I, I actually, in for, furthermore to this point, I think I did ask RJ after the AJ Brown trade. I was like, "He's the best receiver in the NFC East now, right?" And he said, "Yeah." Okay. All right. So, I mean, again, we're gonna have differences of opinion on on that, but what, no matter how you slice it, it's close. Whoever whoever you have as the Eagles' number one, whether it's AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, 
it's close between him and CeeDee Lamb. Mm-hmm. Thereafter, it's not close. No. So whoever he didn't take as far as Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown, they're better than Michael Gallup, just as is. And I like Gallup, uh, but you have to ding him and, for, and Gallup's fine. for coming off the he ACL. He was an awesome, like, number three option for them, yep. for sure. Um, he's also still a solid number two, but he's coming off an ACL tear, and he's not better anyway than either A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith. And then I think where the big gap in talent is, and this is sort of like a weird one to say, like, okay, well, you're holding up Quez Watkins against against uh, anyone else. But Quez actually kind of had like a, an under-the-radar pretty good season last year. 42 catches. I think it was 647 yards. Only had one touchdown. But the stat that really stands out to me with him is he had 10.1 yards per target mm-hmm. last year, which is among the best in the NFL. And you also look at, you know, what he is as a player. He got open down the field a bunch of times, but just didn't have the ball come his way, either because Jalen Hurts couldn't get it to him or he didn't trust throwing it at all down the field to him. Um, I, and the, he also obviously played in the most run-heavy offense in the NFL. He put him on a different roster with a more traditional passing quarterback. I bet his numbers are a lot better. Chiefs. <laughs> Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you put him on the Chiefs, he's he's probably yeah, he's probably going to get we have like eight 900 yards yeah. maybe. I mean, as is, he had 647 uh, and again, the most run heavy offense in the NFL. I think Quez is like low key, pretty well rounded too. Like we saw mm-hmm. him in training camp, especially he can run routes. He can he can certainly make contested catches, yes. which is weird. Yeah, like, that was not really seemingly his kind of profile. Being like a slider he did it guy, in games too, not just in yes. camp. Yes, I was I was watching some highlights, some Jalen Hurts highlights. I think slash Quez Watkins highlights last year, and there was a couple underthrown balls where Quez won out. Um, just mm-hmm. made like made a play. Actually, it was against the Giants, one of them. And Bradbury, I don't think Bradbury was there, but he was kind of like in the area. So I, maybe, maybe I saw it there too. Um, anyway, yeah. And uh, obviously, speed guy, also yards after the catch guy. Like he kind of can do yes. it all. Not none of it necessarily like an elite level. Obviously, he's not a volume target by any means, but a very good role player. I, I've said like I I don't love the idea of Quez as number two, but as number three, sure, absolutely. 4.3540 at the combine. So he's got that field stretching ability too. And you have to respect it. Um, and if you don't, you, you know, he's going to get behind your defense. And if you do respect it, then you're going to have guys like AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard sort of eating you up underneath. So um, I really like the potential that Quez Watkins gives this offense. Compare him with the Cowboys number three receiver. I don't even know who it is. Like, is it Jalen Tolbert who they drafted in the third round? Right. Is it James Washington, who they added in free agency? I think that's a low-key good the, ad for them, by the way. Cause, James Washington? Yeah, because, like, the Steelers, you know, Big Ben was cooked. So, like, I would take a chance on any Steelers receiver, and, like, you're buying low. But anyway. They're yeah. always loaded at receiver, too, the Steelers. So maybe as a playing time issue, I really haven't followed his career. Clo- and I remember I liked him. I think he went to Oklahoma State. I liked him coming sure. out of college. Um, but regardless, Quez is the better yeah. of, of between – Tolbert, Washington, whoever you want to say it is. All right. Uh, tight end. Dalton Schultz gets the franchise tag from the Cowboys. He actually had a pretty good year last year. 800 plus yards. Uh, what's like six touchdowns, I think. I don't have it in front of me. Um, but a solid player, solid tight end, no doubt. Not on the level of Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard is a very complete tight end. He's going to get a chance to enter the season as the undisputed um, number one tight end. I think he was last year too. It's like a wrestling sort of. thing. It sounds like the but undisputed, <laughs> the undisputed tight end. undefeated. <laughs> um, but he he won't have to share targets this year with 
Zach Ertz, or she wanted to share snaps even with or Zach Ertz. And there, no flaws in his game either. Like he can block, he can receive, gets yards after the catch. The, the one gripe that you might have about him is some durability concerns because of his play style. Um, and he's had, yeah, I mean, I guess he had the concussion when he got punched in the head. <laughs> so maybe that's a little bit of a concern. Um, but he's a, he's a complete tight end. He's certainly better than than Dalton Schultz, even though I do think Dal- Dalton Schultz is was worthy of the tag, first of all. And, um, you know, a decent player. But uh, there's no comparison here. Goddard is better than that guy. I watch a decent amount of the Cowboys. I can't say, like, every single game necessarily or every single Dalton Schultz target. But I honestly can't even remember, like, anecdotally, like, a really good play by him last year. Like, you know, like, like something mm-hmm. special, something like, wow. Like, just, you know, solid. Um, but also probably benefiting from playing an offense that had CeeDee Lamb, Namari Cooper. Right. And Gallup for a little bit there or Cedric Wilson, either way. Um probably takes a little bit of a hit with less of those threats there so and they're uh, o-line too because now he, right. he'll be uh yeah uh, like to block he more. wasn't he probably wasn't asked to block as much as he might be now right so yeah easily got it which brings us to the offensive line right so let's start left tackle um jordan mylata versus tyron smith and this is the most interesting <laughs> debate in my opinion Although I, I think it's like I think it should be unanimous. If you're looking at these two players, you're going to take Jordan Mailata clearly because mm. you don't know how many games you're going to get out of Tyron Smith. Cowboys fans would disagree. Like, <laughs> I mean, well, it's crazy. I mean, how many games is he going? Is, is Tyron Smith going to play for you? For me, like he's late career Jason Peters right. at this stage of his career. He he just turned. Uh, how old is he even? Tyron. He Smith. entered the NFL young, so he's thirty ish right now. But but. He played. It's kind of like the Cox thing. He entered the NFL very young, but he's already logged so yeah. many snaps that he's probably a little bit older in terms of football mileage than his age was to, would suggest. And yeah, he's he's missed at least. He, he hasn't played a full season, I believe, since 2014. I think he's missed. So he, I got it right yeah. here. He missed six games last year. He missed 14 games the year before that, and then in each of the four seasons prior to that, he missed three games each. Right. So you cannot count on this player. He made the Pro Bowl last year, by the way, which is ridiculous. He made he he missed six games and he made Pro Bowl. GTFOH. Like the idea that he earned the Pro a Pro Bowl not over Jordan Mailata is ridiculous. Mailata, you can feel pretty comfortable that he's going to play. I guess he's had some back issues in the past. Uh, land on an injured reserve when he wasn't playing anyway. Uh, but his ascension from guy who never played football to what he is now is really astounding, and he's gotten better every year, and last year he played at a Pro Bowl level. I thought he played at an all-pro level, frankly. Um, give me Jordan Mailata all day, every day, over Tyron Smith at this stage of their career. Yeah, it's, you're kind of argu- it's a, an argument of upside, too, and projection moving forward versus right. like accomplishment. Obviously, Tyron Smith is the more accomplished player. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard for me to... To be like, I'm taking my lotta and not have anyone accuse me or us potentially of being biased given uh, who we cover. But yeah, I mean, I'll take my, my lotta because I think there's a chance that Tyron Smith gets hurt and doesn't play at a high level and my lotta will. I think this is the year kind of two where uh, my lotta might actually get that recognition. It always takes offensive linemen who especially don't play for the Cowboys and especially aren't like a first round pick, like take Brandon Brooks, for example, it always takes them Mm -hmm. or Jason Kelsey, even takes them an extra season or two to kind of get that pro bowl recognition. Like there's going to be a year where they're going to actually be a pro bowl player and they'll get snubbed and they have to do it again to actually get that credit. It's just kind of how it works, unfortunately. 
Um, so I think that could be maybe this year for Mylata. Uh, yeah. So we'll move on then to left guard, which is. So that'll be Landon Dickerson. And then there's a debate, I think, here whether. So the Cowboys, when they drafted Tyler Smith in the first round, I think some people thought, okay, well, he's going to slot right in at right tackle. Uh, but that's apparently not their plan. He's going to play on the left side for them early in his career. So he'll get worked out at left tackle and left guard. So he's probably the left guard of the short term, left tackle of the future. He'll eventually take over for Tyron Smith. But he also has competition at left guard. So they they signed Connor McGovern, Mm. um, who has been a starter his whole career. He's been in the league five years. He started for Dent. I guess as a rookie, he started five out of 15 games. Um, And then the four years thereafter, two with Denver and two with the Jets, he was a regular starter. So I don't think it's a given that um, that Tyler Smith, again, the rookie, um, is definitely going to start this year. Either way, like Dickerson, you're going to take Dickerson over over Tyler Smith or uh, Connor McGovern. And I don't think it's particularly close. Yeah, Smith is moving to guard too, right? He's played more at tackle. So it's a position change. It's not mm-hmm. just like seamless uh, plug and play. So yeah, easily Dickerson. By the way, if McGovern wins that battle, um, take a guess how many s- career Zero. combined snaps their backups have. It's not zero. Uh, combined. But you know where I'm going with it. It's going to be low. <laughs> uh, 69. A hundred. <laughs> Close. A hundred. Um, Aviante Collins has Who? like. Aviante Collins. Never heard of that person in my life. I think he has 73. I was just looking at this uh, for an, uh, another post. Um, and then another. Uh, Who is their other? Who's the other guy? Let me just look at their depth chart real quick here. Oh, Matt Farniak. Never heard of him. He was either. a rookie last year. <laughs> he played 23 snaps in the regular offense last year. So Farniak and Collins uh, have combined for 100 career snaps. That's the extent of the experience that they have uh, in their depth, the Cowboys. So um, their starters aren't anywhere near as they used to be, anywhere near as good as they used to be, and their depth is... Um, an unknown. Uh, all right, center Jason Kelsey versus Tyler Biadish. I don't think we need to spend no. any time at all here. Jason Kelsey's Kelsey. the best center in the NFL. Biadish is a below average starter. Let's move right on. Right guard. Uh, I guess we'll call it Isaac Samalo uh, versus Zach Martin. Again, we don't need to spend any time yeah, here. Zach, Zach Martin, Martin is a bona fide All Pro. And it might not even be uh, Samalo. Might be Jack Driscoll. We'll it see. Could be Jack Driscoll. I think Samalo is an undergraded trade possibility I was saying too. That. Yeah, especially before the Herbig uh, cut. Yeah. And even after, like, so let's say, like, they do make a strong push for Jesse Bates. He makes sense for the Bengals because they have a hole at left guard. They sort of f- fix their tackle issues in free agency and whatever. Um, but he would make sense for that team. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, again, we don't need to spend much time here at right tackle. Lane Johnson versus Terrence Steele. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think we'll give that one to Lane. Yeah. Yes, we will. And then depth, we you know I mentioned the the Cowboys depth. Uh, the Eagles have plenty of playable players. Uh, depth. I mean, you and I sort of um, criticized the Eagles for their usage of resources on uh, Cam Jurgens, but you know certainly he's 
I mean, I would take Cam Jurgens over Tyler Beatish, sight unseen. <laughs> and then they have Jack Driscoll. They have uh, uh, Sua Opeta, who has filled in at times. Obviously, Andre Dillard is uh, is is a more than capable backup, as we learned last year. And uh, even Jack Anderson, who I took a look at earlier this year, he looked pretty good in that Week 18 meaningless game against the Cowboys last year. Mm-hmm. So and and Raven Clark even yeah. <laughs> so the Eagles, you, like you take any of those guys, they might be the first guy off the bench on on this Cowboys roster. Indeed. Um, why don't we take another break here, Jimmy, and then move over to the defense. Hold on. Before Whoa. we do, we mentioned everything that the Eagles have going on now on offense. Like, this offensive line is maybe the best in the NFL. Their wide receivers are the best they've been in a very long time. And you look at the trio of receivers, Brown, Smith, Watkins, they're, they're in the conversation for, what, like top five? I'd have to look at like the other teams around the league, but top five, six, seven, somewhere around there in the NFL? Is that out of the question? Offense that, total, that, you're saying? Yeah. No, no, no. Wide receiver. Yeah, probably. They have a top borderline, top five, six tight end in Dallas Goddard. It is all there for Jalen Hurts to be successful in 2022. And, I mean, we already sort of uh, know that this is a tryout year for him Mm -hmm. as it was in 2021. He wasn't so good that he kept the Eagles from – having strong interest in trying to get Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. He was at least good enough to keep them from acquiring some middle of the road quarterback. Uh, But again, like 2021, 2022 is going to be a tryout year for him and expectations should be high based on this very strong offense that they've assembled around him. All right. You ready for a break now? I am. You jerk. (laughs) Why don't you tell me about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com? Uh, yes. Well, her phone number is 856-906-9295. I forgot her phone number when I did her ad read during, I don't know if it was the last episode or the one before that. Yeah, it was really embarrassing. And I was criticized by our listeners on on Twitter and, and wherever else. They were like, I even know her number by now <laughs> with how many times you've said it on the podcast. Uh, so anyway, uh, 856-906-9295, as Brandon mentioned at the open of the podcast, she was voted by God as the best realtor in the history of the universe. You think about the vastness of the universe and she's the best realtor ever in the history of the universe, but the multi spanning all time and the deepest depths of the universe. It's very impressive. So if you don't hire, if you're spying or selling a house and you don't hire Kristen Roach, well, good sir or ma'am, I have to question your judgment. So again, 856-906-9295. Brandon? Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five nine two nine five. Back here on BGN Bleeding Green Nation Radio, Jimmy. I feel like we need to get through the defense quicker than we got through the offense because it took like a long <laughs> we did. Of time. We did go long on that, yeah. So where do we start? All right. So 
let's go defensive end first. Um, and I mean, to be determined what the Eagles defensive scheme will actually look, look like, but we'll just pretend that like it's a four, three for now. Um, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat. And then for the Cowboys, you have Demarcus Lawrence and Dorrance Armstrong. So I got another trivia question here for you. Okay. Demarcus Lawrence signed a contract extension, very lucrative one, in before the 2019 season. In the three seasons since he signed that contract, I have two trivia questions for you. First of all, how many sacks does he have combined in those three seasons? Uh, 14.5. That is correct. Good job, buddy. Now. How did I know? <laughs> How many players in the NFL during that span have at least 14.5 sacks? Is it 65? It's 61. (sighs) (laughs) So he's a good player. He's good against the run. He does get pressure. I mean, you you can just watch him and see that he's good. But he has not been anywhere near as productive as uh, he should be given the money that the Cowboys gave him. He actually took a pay cut this offseason. I'd still probably take him over Brandon Graham. Uh, I would take Josh Sweat in a heartbeat over Dorrance Armstrong or whoever else the Cowboys are going to throw out. The Cowboys defensive line is Demarcus Lawrence and then a lot of Jags. I mean, they're going to have Michael Parsons rushing the quarterback plenty from the edge. But you, you consider him a linebacker or a Sam, or what sort of the equivalent to like a Hassan Reddick. Um, but Demarcus Lawrence aside, as far as just traditional defensive linemen, it's him and then nothing thereafter. So you're putting him up against Brandon Graham? I'd put I see. I'd say that he's a, a good comp to Graham because uh, he does move inside on obvious passing downs and he rushes from inside sometimes. So um, they're, they're, pretty similar players but you're giving him the edge no pun intended i would give him a small edge over bg especially coming off. i would agree yeah especially coming off the injury and i love brandon graham and i don't like to say anything bad about him but yes just yeah you have to i think but then on the other side it's sweat clearly over whoever else you want to say their yeah their starter is on the edge you mean randy gregory who they resigned (laughs) oh i guess i did they did sign who did they sign cowboys I probably should have that uh, down here since we're doing a podcast episode. They signed an edge rusher? They did. Um, I'll look it up real quick. Why don't you move on to the Well, they have Dorrance Armstrong, who may start, but... Dorrance Armstrong, who I forget, I think Stephen Jones compared... Like, he made some, like, ludicrous comparison or said... It's, like, this crazy thing to say about him. Um, Dante Fowler. Dante Fowler. Yeah, but who cares? It's whatever. And they drafted Sam Williams in the second round. Very talented, but... Oh, sorry, D. Williams. Very talented, but uh, we've sort of gone through his um, off-field question marks. We'll call Stephen them. Jones claimed that, uh, quote, he's right there from a production standpoint with Randy in regard to Dorrance Armstrong, which is not <laughs> yeah, true. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess it's not, that's not totally untrue because Randy Gregory was very unproductive. Well, yeah, for but life. we're talking about, like, you know, <laughs> them actually being on the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, yeah, there's two. You look at one guy play and you look at the other guy play and there's no comparison between yeah. those two players. Dorrance Armstrong, who has like a career high of sacks of two? five in a given season. Five, he has okay. 7.5 total. He had five last year. Okay. All right. Defensive tackle. Um, I mean, this isn't even close. Their starters are probably Tristan Hill and Neville Gar- uh, Gallimore. 
the Eagles are loaded at defensive tackle. Hargrave, Cox, Milton Williams, Jordan Davis. Take any two of those four guys, and you'll take you'll take them over whoever the Cowboys want to. Th- I mean, Tristan Hill, Neville Gallimore might not even make the Eagles ro- roster like with the four guys that they have. I, I guess they probably would as like a fifth guy. But th- those two guys, mm-hmm. I would I would take any of the Eagles' four defensive tackles over the Cowboys Tristan best. Hill or Neville Gallimore. Yeah. And I don't think it's even close. Okay, yeah. So that brings us to you put down here. We'll just let, 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 let's just uh, just look at the what we'll call the Sam position, like sort of the I don't know what the Cowboys call theirs, but just the sort of uh, the you know the the edge rushing linebacker that also plays sometimes off ball linebacker. Uh, so it's a Son Raddick there versus Michael Parsons, and again that's for as for as good as Hassan Raddick is. That's not even close either. Obviously, Micah Parsons is uh, it, the the Cowboys have the edge there. Uh, it bears repeating that only four players have more sacks in the NFL than Hassan Reddick in the past two seasons. Like that's mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy. Um, and I, you know Parsons was really good last year. I do think he been like I'm not trying to take anything away from Micah Parsons, but I feel like when he was as good as he was, there's going to be some kind of regression, and that doesn't mean he's going to be a bad player. But I just think he kind mm-hmm. of it's hard to be going to be as good as he was or better. And I don't think teams really had enough time to prepare for him. Like in the off season, I don't think teams were expecting Micah Parsons to be used as a full on edge rusher. The Cowboys weren't planning to use him that way until they had like a billion defensive line injuries and COVID stuff going on. And they basically had to move him to defensive end because they had no one else to play that spot. And he just so yeah. happened to thrive at that position. So I think with more time and more film of him, it's not like teams are going to shut Micah Parsons down, but they'll at least have like a better ability to kind of plan for him. And he's not going to catch everyone by surprise. Like I think he did last year. So um, yeah, I, I think I would take Reddick just from a standpoint of he produced, he's been produced. I mean, there is a chance that he could also go better too, <laughs> like, which is kind sure. of a scary thought. Um, but I, I'm sort of with you. He was so good that I think there is a potential for, uh, drop off. Like, you look at the. I'll equate that to the Cowboys' takeaways last year. They had thirty three yeah. or thirty four of them, whatever it was, and they led the NFL in in takeaways. And I looked back. I went back to like twenty sixteen, I think, and found all the teams that had at least thirty takeaways. And on average, they had, I think it was twelve point eight fewer takeaways mm. the following season. So there is some regression coming, and and all of them, every single one of those teams had a regression and I think the lowest number of turnovers uh, in terms of like the, the lowest de- decrease in turnovers yeah. was like five or six or something like that. Um, and then there were, there were teams that had like had almost 20 fewer turnovers like the following season. So the Eagle, the Cowboys are in for some sort of regression uh, on that front. Um, so yeah, I can kind of see the point where Parsons was so good last year that maybe he falls off. But again, I think there's also a, a chance that he could be even better uh, off ball linebacker, I have Kaiser White and Nicobe Dean. Um, again, like I mentioned earlier, if for whatever reason White isn't good, Dean has injury issues and just fell for whatever you know, th- there was legitimate reason for him falling as far as he did. And TJ Edwards has to be your starter, he's still plenty capable starter. Um, but I have them up against Leighton Van Der Esch, who was a stud as a rookie. It's not been very good since. And Jabril Cox, who they drafted, I thought he was actually kind of a steal in the fourth round 
uh, a year ago. I don't know what he did last year. I didn't look into like the kind of season that he had. But on paper, I kind of feel like the Eagles might be better here with White and Dean and Edwards versus uh, Van Der Esch and, and Jabril Cox. I think it's a toss-up. I think you can kind of go either way with it. I don't. I think so, Again, too. Kaiser White, there's a world where he doesn't even make the Eagles roster, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, N'Kobe Dean is a big projection. I think it's reasonable to have high hopes for him, but I also think there is something to why he fell. And yeah. like it's not just necessarily that he's going to come in and be an all-pro linebacker from day one. So I think, you know, yes, on paper, but um, – and. I don't feel great about Leighton Vander Esch, especially at this stage or anything, but you know, I think he's fine. And then uh, I like Jabril Cox. I think he has some upside. I don't know, you know, just how good he's going to be. So to me, it's kind of a wash. All right. Uh, I agree with that. Cornerback. Uh, so CB1, you have uh, Darius Slave uh, versus Trayvon Diggs. Um you can't overlook Trayvon Diggs' eleven interceptions. <laughs> like that's just that's just a crazy number. And I know that he got beat his share last year to sort of offset those eleven interceptions to some degree. But ultimately, when you take the ball over eleven times for your offense, I mean, you'll take it's it. Extraordinarily impressive. Darius Slay helped the Eagles. I mean, made huge plays in three of their wins against the Panthers. Uh, Saints and Broncos. If he doesn't make those huge plays, did the Eagles make the playoffs last year? So his value is is certainly, uh, um, I think, well appreciated in Philadelphia. But ultimately, I'm taking Diggs over Slay. Diggs is speaking of regression. There's, there's no way Diggs is intercepting. <laughs> He's not getting eleven interceptions. 11 interceptions. Again, again yeah. still can be a good player. Doesn't mean he'll be terrible all of a sudden, but will not have that. I mean, it just. It was crazy. It was uncanny last year. There, it just looked like quarterbacks thought he was a receiver for their team. It's like throwing right at him at times. I think specifically with Mike Lennon that happened at least once or twice where he just like threw it right to him and no one else. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I think it's arguable. I think, uh, you, you know, you have to give – the turnovers give digs an edge, but I think it's very possible Slay could have the better season this year. Um, so I'll give it to the Cowboys. I'll give it to Diggs. And then the other uh, CB2, Bradbury versus, and then I, I don't know, it's maybe a question mark here. I would probably project Kelvin Joseph, their second round pick of a year ago. He's had some off field issues. Yeah, he just decided not to play at one point. <laughs> He's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. His, his last year at Kentucky, he uh, just wanted, like, so there are players that opt out during the season. Team, they, you know, I think that's become a, a widely accepted thing for players to do. But he just wanted to take a game off and then come back. And his coach, uh, Mark Stoops, one of the Stoopses, he was like, no, we're not doing that. He's like, just just go. Like, just if you just want to opt out the rest of the season, then fine. But we can't have guys skipping games and then coming back. So, like, that was a big red flag uh, for him. And, and uh, he got into trouble since he's been in the pros. I forget exactly what he did. I don't want to guess because it could be wrong. And I don't want to like, <laughs> I don't want to like have people think that he did something he didn't do. Um, but he, he has had an off field thing already so far in his pro career. So I don't know if he's going to start or if it'll be somebody like Anthony Brown will be in the mix, but I think he's probably their slot. Um, they drafted Duran Bland. They have, <laughs> what a uh, terrible Nashon- yeah, they have Nashon, especially for a corner too, right. which is like sort of a, a cocky kind of position. It's like Chris Blewett, uh, the kicker. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
uh, Nashawn Wright. They drafted him the third round last year. They have Jordan Lewis on the roster still. So it's kind of up for grabs who's going to be that CB2, but I'll guess it's Kelvin Joseph. Whoever you want to throw out there, Bradbury's better. Yeah, no argument. And then Avante Maddox is better than whoever's going to play slack corner for them. Jordan Lewis still, I guess. Is he still there? Or Anthony Brown. Yeah. Who knows? Um, safety, you have, uh, of course, uh, Anthony Harris and uh, Marcus Epps. And the Cowboys starters are Jaron Curse, who had a very productive season last year for them. And Malik Hooker, who um, just sort of sat on the free agent market for a long time last year. The Cowboys eventually added him. Uh, he didn't do much last year. I think Curse is probably the better of the two players there. It's kind of a toss-up to me, but I'll give it to the Cowboys overall, just safety, based on the season that Curse had last year. I feel like it might not get talked enough about how Anthony Harris came back on a deal that was literally half as much as last year. Like, what does that really tell you mm-hmm. about the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. his value and the Eagles' confidence level? So he made one year $5 million, uh in 2021, and now he's making one year $2.5 million. Mm-hmm. And again, I like Epps for what he is. I really think he can be like a nice spot starter, uh, third safety, play some rotational snaps. I think he can do that. I think he's like flashed at times, mm-hmm. made some big hits. I think he has some kind of ball skills. I don't hate Marcus Epps. I just don't think it's kind of like the Quez Watkins thing. Quez Watkins, wide receiver two, don't love that. Wide receiver three, that's cool. Quez, yep. uh, Marcus Epps, safety three, cool, fine. Marcus Epps, safety two, safety one, no, not not, not as great. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Curse had a good year last year, and I think he kind of gets more of the benefit of the doubt. And then I don't really feel strongly about Malik Hooker versus whoever you want to, however you want to match that up, but. Uh, I think it kind of, I think you can kind of wash out, or it's at least it's close. I don't know, or give the Cowboys the edge, whatever. And then uh, if we're gonna go a little bit deeper here. Is the Cowboys kicker? I don't know who this. I don't know this person's name. I'm just looking at their depth chart on our lads. Our lads. Jonathan Garibay. Yep. Have you ever heard of this person? Nope. <laughs> So we'll, get, we'll go ahead and give uh, Jake Elliott the edge over that fella. Uh, the Cowboys have a monster edge uh, at punter. Brian Anger, one of the best in the NFL, uh, versus Aaron Sipos, one of the worst in the NFL. Um, who do you – and then a we'll, little bonus uh, question here. Who is the better head coach, Nick Sirianni or our favorite, Mike McCarthy? <laughs> I mean, it you know, Mike McCarthy has won a Super Bowl. That that did happen. But I think one of the categories, I think underrated, as I'm wearing a hat right now that says positive vibes on it, uh, which you can't see, is the vibes of it all. And I think Mike McCarthy yeah. factors into that in a bad way for the Cowboys. Yeah. I think just the way these two teams are trending since the end of last year, where the Cowboys season ended in very hilarious fashion. And I almost think is not remembered or not talked about enough, at least mm-hmm. because in part because of the off season that they had that kind of made it worse and the, the things they lost and also kind of the look ahead nature of this season for them, not referencing the SB nation NFL show, the look ahead, but which RJ is on, but the whole Sean Payton specter, that's very much like looming over the Cowboys. Right. And you know, like, those things as uh, 
a beat reporter, Jimmy, where like it's all the fans care about. And it's like anytime you ask for a mailbag post, all the questions are just like, for example, recently it'd be like, should the Eagles sign James Bradbury? You know, should, where are they going to sign James Bradbury? It's all they're mm-hmm. thinking about. Like, I feel like that's all Cowboys fans are thinking about is when are they going to hire Sean Payton? Oh, Payton. Yeah, it's like, yeah okay. I feel like that's like, which is a weird spot to be in because it's almost like your coach is entering this lame duck season coming off a year where it feels like the Cowboys probably peaked. Like how it's hard for them to kind of get much better than they did last year, at least in terms of like, you know, what they did defensively. The offense faded down the stretch and could be better, but it was strong at one point. And you're not getting, you know, 11 interceptions out of Trayvon Diggs again. And I don't think you're getting Micah Parsons catching the league by surprise again. Again, will still be a good player. So mm-hmm. um, when you factor all that in, and I think there's still, you know, stuff for Sirianni to prove clearly. We haven't seen him create or uh, like orchestrate a high functioning passing offense in the NFL, which is pretty important. Not to say he can't. And obviously the quarterback is a big factor in that, but we haven't seen him do that. You know, the offense was at his best last year when they took the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands and didn't pass as much ultimately um, and really relied on Jeff Stetland in the running game. And mm-hmm. to get to the next level, to beat the really good teams, which they didn't do last year, they're going to have to change that. And they're going to have to figure out how to have a high functioning uh, or at least much more higher volume than it was last year. So I think there's still much for Sirianni to prove. I don't think I've ever really been like super negative on Sirianni at any point, except for early last year when, you know, things were looking bad. I think basically everyone. When they were two and five, everyone was kind of piling on yeah. and yeah. And, and deservedly so. Right. Like they were playing like crap. And if they continued that course the whole season, then yeah, I think there was an argument. He should have, could have been one yeah. and done um, if things were going to continue to be that pathetic on offense. Um, so I think there's so much for Sirianni to prove. I tend to skew more positive on him. And for that reason, I will take him just because even from the time of the McCarthy hiring, I thought that was a dumb hire by the Cowboys. I don't believe in him at all. He can, you know, he can get you to uh, a playoff berth for sure. He's not like Urban Meyer. like He's he's an NFL head coach at -hmm. some level, but um, I just don't really trust him in the big moments. I don't think he gives his team an edge analytically, even though there was all that crap about him, like going to (laughs) be in Mr. Analytics and going to PFF and whatever. (laughs) Right. Uh, So... I will take Sirianni. What about you? I think I might be a Sirianni guy. We're such homers. We've been such homers on this podcast. <laughs> it has been a very homerish, homerish podcast. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I, I like the job that he's doing. And I kind of think he's going to, I think he's he might be a good NFL coach. Um, I think they might have something there. And by the way, we met, I mentioned earlier about the offense, you know, it's a prove it year for Jalen Hurts because it's the the offensive line is great and the receivers are are really good now and you have Dallas Goddard and everything's there for him to to succeed this year. Well, guess what? On defense, uh, <laughs> the Eagles go out and they add Hassan Reddick and Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean and Kaiser White and now James Bradbury. Well, guess what? It's a prove it year for Jonathan Gannon too. And the point that you made off the air, I'll let you you can make your point about about mm. him and next year. Yeah, so shout out to at Eagles Die Hard on Twitter who made this point first, and it kind of really I was, I was like, oh yeah, that's actually a really good point. And Jonathan Gannon shouldn't be here in Philadelphia in 2023 because either he does what he should do and has this defense playing at a very high level, and he gets hired, 
And if he was freaking getting interest after last year when the defense underachieved somehow <laughs> yeah. and getting like head coaching interviews and being a hot candidate and maybe could have been the Texans higher if it weren't for the whole, you know, Brian Flores uh, angle of it all. And obviously like Houston being in a position where it felt like they had to, you know, do something, uh, you know, they, they had to make a, a certain move. They had to be selective about who they hired. Um, I think that, he should either be hired as a head coach somewhere or he should be fired because if, if this defense underachieves again, like, what are we doing? Like it's, it's been two years. You had the talent, you had time to implement what you wanted to do. There's no reason to bring him back for a third season. So he should either, he should be gone next year, good or bad. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, if he does, like if, if the defense performs the way they did last, like if, if he's still parking safeties 30 yards off the line of scrimmage, and teams are just and good quarterbacks rather are just slaughtering them in the short to intermediate areas of the field and just making it easy. Like yeah, if you have guys throw, you know, completing 80% of their passes with regularity against this defense, like the, the, the players that this defense has, it's just going to be totally unacceptable and he's got to go. Um, so I expect, I, I think Eagles fans are right to expect major improvements out of the defense this year. And aesthetically it can't look the way it did last year. Um, so yeah, he's either gone in terms of poor performance or as you note, he got some, he got some bites, uh, as a head coach last year. And if the defense does perform, then it gives him a stronger argument for a head coaching job. So I agree with, uh, with, with who would you say that was again? At Eagles diehard on Twitter. So yeah, that's a good, good take point. by that guy, girl, uh, that guy or guy, uh, Dave, I think his name is, um, okay. so Eagles win total jumped up to me from eight and a half which felt like a lock to me, the over. <laughs> we talked about the schedule last week. Yeah. And that was before they signed James Bradbury. It's since jumped up to nine and a half, which makes it, you know, a little bit tougher. But I just think it's such a easy call to go in the over. Just they, they have still, even at nine, nine and a half, I agree. They have the easiest schedule in the NFL, according to Football Outsiders. And one of the easiest, according to, that's, that's specifically DVOA. And obviously other metrics, you know, it's one of the easiest and for all of Jonathan Gannon's faults, one thing he did do last year is take care of the bad quarterbacks. He wasn't like the bad quarterbacks mm-hmm. weren't going off against him with regularity. Like he he had answers for them. So I I, I have a he level. Yeah, Jake Fromm in check, right? <laughs> and uh, Garrett Gilbert <laughs> and uh, whoever else, uh, Zach Wilson. Like I have faith he can do that at the very least. So there's that. Jalen Hurts. I think you know for the questions we have about him, he is a win with quarterback and you can win with him. And even if he gets hurt, I think they could still win 10 games potentially with Gardner Minshew, given the, mm-hmm. you know, if the supporting cast lives up to uh, what it should. I mean, even if they have offensive line injuries, knock on wood, as we talked about, there's depth there and you trust Stoutland to like kind of piece it together and make it at least functional, not be like a total tire fire up front. And like, you don't even stand a chance in a given game. Uh, defensively, there's a lot in the trenches. I think, you know, even for question marks about Sirianni, you know, I think there's enough there to feel like he's not going to be a total buffoon and ruin the season. So I just don't really know like where the massive pitfalls are for this team. Uh, I don't, what are you pointing to if you're taking the under, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's just more reason to believe in the over at this point. So, so yeah, that's where I'm at with this team. Yeah. I think it's uh it's at least a 10 win team. And has potential for, for I mean, it, they could be also, I think before the 2020 season, nobody would have 
ever suspected <laughs> that they were going to go uh, four, eleven, and one. You know what I mean? Right. Like nobody would have ever had the floor at four. No. So the floor is probably always going to be a little bit lower than we perceive going into a season. Sure. And you know things can go horribly wrong, whether it's injuries or whatever. I think the concern maybe with Jalen Hurts is that he doesn't improve. Like, like not that he just doesn't even improve, but he actually gets worse because teams have a beat on what works against him. Um, so that remains to be seen. I think, I think but he'll he be would get benched at some point. Right? I think he will improve to be clear, but, but like if that happened, they would just go away from him. I feel like there'd be a breaking it's possible. point. I mean, when, when you, yeah, as long as they have still, as long as they haven't traded Gardner, Minshew, right. then yeah, it's possible. Um, but that's kind of how the season can go really sideways, I guess. But again, I, I think he's going to improve. And I, I do think that um, they should win. They think that over that over of of nine point five is very attainable. I think it's a good position in t- too. And going back to what I said at the top, in terms of like prove it, prove it, Jonathan Gannon, prove it, Nick Sirianni, mm-hmm. prove it, Jalen Hurts. Like the tools are here. How we got you the talent to work around. Now prove it. Like go out and produce results. If this team doesn't win a playoff game, or at least like you know very, come very close to it, like if they get to the playoffs again, like I said, I think last week, and they get smoked in the first round. That's not good enough at all. Like, like yeah. people heads are rolling at that point, or should be rolling. What's that noise? That's the recycling. Recycling. Recycling is what I just said. Recycling truck, the pickup truck. Nice. My recycling uh, is getting dumped into the truck right now, and now the truck is leaving. Wow! Thank you, friends, for taking my recycling. Jimmy is waving to the recycling truck. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts, James? Uh yeah, so, well, just first of all, to piggyback on what you said there in, in terms of winning a playoff game, they also got to beat Dallas. Like, we, we we dedicated most of this podcast episode to Eagles versus Dallas, position by position. But they also just have to beat this team. Like, they've struggled against this team since they won the Super Bowl in 2017. I think they're, what, two and six against the Cowboys since then. So they've struggled. They got to they gotta beat this team at a minimum once, and I think a sweep shouldn't be out of the question. Uh, but they got to beat them. Mm-hmm. They, 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 and the, and they should win this division. Um, anything less is going to be disappointing, in my opinion. And uh, uh, they just go to the to the wild card round, uh, whether they win the division or they get in as a wild card, and they lose, especially if it goes the same way or similarly to the way yeah, like uh, it's the not season even a ended in Tampa game. last year. Then it's going to be unacceptable, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I mean, we need to see major the, the the roster. Howie Roseman, in my opinion, has done a good job getting this roster improved, and we need to see the results on the field from the players, from the coaching staff, and the quarterback. Right? Yeah, it's all there on paper, but on paper is not where the games are played. It's on the field. Yeah, famously. As far as final thoughts go, um, man, it's going to be hot this weekend. Oh. You got? Do you got any? You, I think I'm going to go to. It's actually it's too it's too cold for the beach still because mm. I just checked ocean temps and as of yesterday they're 55 which is horrible like 55 <sighs> doesn't sound terrible air temp but water temp it's that's it's you just can't go in the water when it's 55 <laughs> degrees <laughs> so like I'm gonna have to try to find a pool this weekend mm. uh, as opposed to the ocean How about, you got any uh, plans for the uh, Hot weekend here. Stay- it's gonna be ninety eight on Saturday and like ninety six on Sunday. It, like it's it's May twentieth as we're recording this. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Um, gonna stay inside probably. Uh, wanted to give a shout out okay. to me to a really good restaurant that I recently tried. It's called Fiore 
FioreFineFoods.com, I believe is the website. Okay. Fiore, it's at Front and Fitzwater in Philly. Really good food. Uh, both savory and sweet. Um, it's like, I think it's Italian. It's not like tradition. It's not like spaghetti and meatballs, but it's like Italian based ultimately. How are you spelling that? Fiore, F-I-O-R-E. Fiore, okay. very, very good. Again, the savory stuff, the offerings. And just honestly, it, it's not even just about like the main dishes there. Like some of the sides that I had leading up to the appetizer and stuff. And mm-hmm. this had like a side of potatoes or whatever at one point. Um, with what I got there, and it was just like irresponsibly good. They do breakfast too; their hash browns, or it's just like <laughs> this shouldn't be this good. Like this isn't even the main event, and it's just like the side is amazing. So, really good. Um, everyone should check it out. Fiore, uh, that's my recommendation, and I think that's all I've got. It's a long episode, so we should probably wrap up. Um, By the way, we will eventually probably. Uh, I have a vacation coming up, but I would say like mid June. We've We'll probably get around to those of you who have left reviews and ratings. uh, As we have stated many times on the podcast, we are legally obligated to answer your questions. If you leave one there, Uh, you probably have a better chance of getting it answered if it's a five-star review. I'm just saying. Mm. Uh, So please. Oh, man. Quiet down out there, recycling truck. Come on. (laughs) It's the perils of leaving your windows open while recording a Mm. podcast. Uh, Anyway. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, as Brandon's about to say. But leave a question there too, and we'll get to those questions uh, probably mid June. The lawyers are hounding us; they're they're on our backs. They're like, "You have to do this. It's legally obligated." <laughs> so we have to make the lawyers happy. We, we will get to that uh, in the meantime. We have the Jersey Number Analytics Pod on the horizon with Ben Solak. So I know people will be excited about that. That's coming up here sooner than later. Uh, so subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Rate, review, all that good stuff. Check out our sponsors, righttosellin.com, BGN Radio, or sorry, BGN 15 for 15% off your order of meat snacks or non-meat snacks or whatever you get there at righteousfelon.com. That's R-I-G-H-T-E-O-U-S-F-E-L-O-N.com. You can call or text the following phone number of Christian Roach, Roach Realtors, and RoachRealtors.com if you are looking to buy, sell, or rent a house. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Gouton. Check out Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Check out the podcast account that's at BGN underscore radio. The website account that's at Bleeding Green. The BGN Instagram is at Bleeding Green Insta. There's some podcast clips there and stuff, so that's always a good way to follow too. If there's a new pod, check that out. Um Check out bleedingyournation.com for my work and phillyvoice.com for Jimmy's work. And do that in the meantime, because we will be back with another episode in the near future. Goodbye, everybody. BGN. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash Vox. 
That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash Vox for $1,000 off Vanta. Here's the truth about AI. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people.